This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this episode of Side Projects, we welcome back Kira Rossler. In addition to playing with Black Flag and Dose, she's forged a new career in movie editing and automatic dialogue replacement. Here we take on the issue of movie sequels and remakes. We discuss our favorites, but even better, the ones that aren't so good. Check out Kira's contributions to the movie Joker in theaters now. Follow her to keep up with her latest projects. Subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy a movie sequels edition of Performance Anxiety's Side Projects. So, thank you for, for doing this. This is, uh, is going to be interesting because I think uh, I, I like, obviously I like movies. I'm not technical in, into movies. So, right. um I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be interesting to have your viewpoint on this, since you know about what goes on behind the scenes, you know, generally, and you live in that movie world a lot. So I think uh, I think this will be a but neat. It's perspective. funny when I'm watching a movie, you know, that all kind of goes out the window. It has to be pretty bad for me to actually think about <laughs> the technical aspect of movie making. You know, yeah, <laughs> that that okay. Well, that's good to know. I mean, that's. Uh, I guess that would be one way to determine if it's a good movie or a bad movie. You start thinking technically. Well, this lighting is garbage. This ADR is horrible. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's that. But it, it, I was thinking about it from the standpoint of you know what what what's a bad decision to even make a sequel or a remake. And, yes. And, you know, I came up with some ideas about, you know, my thoughts on uh, when it was just not even a good idea oh, <laughs> to yeah. go down this road. Well, that's that's perfect because that's exactly what I wanted to get into. Um, I, I was listening to a, a show about, uh, I guess, a week or so ago, and they were talking about movie sequels. And uh, I think it was a I think it was something with having to do with Gilbert Gottfried, actually. And he said, only the last movie in a franchise or only, yeah, only the last movie in the franchise loses money, which explains <laughs> a lot as to why there are things like 
eight or nine Friday the Thirteenth and and uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets and Jaws movies and and Rocky movies. Fast and Furious. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, how Still many going strong? Yeah. Exactly. And everybody loves to see those, no matter how awful they may be. I I don't even know if I've ever. I think I saw the first one, maybe, but I may be confusing that with something else. So which is not which just isn't isn't a ringing endorsement for that movie franchise at yeah. all. Yeah. But I wanted to find out a little bit about well actually I guess maybe just talk about some of the best and worst fran- uh, uh sequels and think hear your opinion on, on on some of your favorites and some of the ones that you hate as well. So um <laughs> and w- which ones spring to mind? I mean like when you hear hey what's you know what's a good movie sequel? Obviously Godfather 2 comes up. Um, one of my favorites of all time is uh, Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that's, and I got to thinking about that, like some are just series that really hold together. I mean, Lord of the Rings holds together. Yes. Because of the novels, but but it's just a really well tied together set. And I would argue that the Road Warrior you know, all the way to Fury Road was pretty strong. So I exist in this wasteland. A man reduced to a single instinct. Survive. There were some hiccups, perhaps, but yeah. that could be argued because thematically, at least, you know, there was there was consistency. There was a world created that we could. Yeah. I think that's what makes Star Wars great. That that's what makes Lord of the Rings great. You know, this sort of uh, world is created and we can just sort of ride it out. Uh, also, the Planet of the Apes. Uh, had some sequels that were just really strong because of the story of the apes literally sort of starting to overpower human civilization was explained, you know, and they yeah. went back to how how that happened and everything. The I think one of the big differences between what makes a good sequel and what makes a bad sequel is exactly what you said. It continue a good sequel continues a storyline like like you were saying you know there's a uh, the mad max you know mad the first mad max while i don't think it was a technically a, a it was definitely not my favorite in the series it was a, the origin story of max uh rocket what is it rocket tasky I, I remember how he pronounces max's last <laughs> name but it's a story of how he be he, he got to where he is and then the road warrior continues his story and yeah. You know, so, so does Beyond Thunderdome, technically, I guess, and Fury Road. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, may, I don't know if you know this or not, because I, I had heard this, and I, I never knew if it was true or not. I had heard that Beyond Thunderdome wasn't even actually a Mad Max movie. They wrote him in as a character because of the success of Mad Max 2, that, that the script was a completely different story. And because... The Road Warrior was so successful, they kind of wrote him into that story because it was a, it was a similar scene, I guess, a similar post-apocalyptic 
type of of story. Yeah, I I would question that because uh, that doesn't seem like uh, George Miller's style. He, right. He doesn't seem to be the kind of person who uh, focuses on even making, you know, sort of blockbuster type movies. He made the Babe movies, you know, he yeah. made uh, Lorenzo's Oil, you know, he's made some really sort of uh, totally different sorts of movies. So I don't think he would have been a- averse to doing something unexpected or doing something smaller, you know, so... Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if that were true, but I can't say for sure. <laughs> I don't even remember where I heard that from. I, I, I've been trying to research that, but I've also been... You sent me a really interesting list uh, of sequels and, and actually remakes, too, because I think we can throw remakes in here as well. And so I've been yeah, trying to... Yeah, I, I really like talking about the remakes, but uh, going back to sequels, I think I was talking about my main idea of sort of what makes a bad sequel or remake for that matter is was it even a good idea to begin with (laughs) you know what i mean like what made you think this was a good idea exactly exactly you know when you think about jaws for example why would it be a good idea to make another one Martin, this is kind of an official meeting. Good, good. I'm glad you're all here. I've got something to show you. Look at this. Fogarty just developed it. Came out of that camera from the missing divers. Seaweed? I don't know. What is it? It's underwater, isn't it? That's why it's so dark. There's nothing I can see. What are you talking about? Look at this. That's a shark. Look at the outline. Look at the mouth, the eyes. Is that what it is? Sorry, I just don't see it. Neither do I. It's nothing. Martin, it could be anything. Wait a minute. Are you people telling me I don't know what a shark looks like? Brody, this is nothing. Seaweed, mud, something in the lens. Lens my ass. You're damn right it's your ass. Now, uh, be reasonable, please. Reasonable what? With him? God damn it, will you listen to the man? Will you just listen to him? Be reasonable. Look, Brody, you started a panic on a public beach. You shot up the damn place. God knows who you could have injured. Now, what if somebody decides to sue us? Did you ever stop to think about that? It could ruin us. You don't have to worry about being sued or being ruined. If this turns out to be what I think it is, because there won't be anybody here. Yeah, now, Martin, let's not, uh... Let's not what, Larry? What? Oh, Jesus, Larry, huh? Come on, let's just forget it. He won't listen. It's obvious the man has made up his mind. You bet your life I've made up my mind. But I'm telling you and I'm telling everybody at this table that that's a shark. And I know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. And you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the sting, you know, the sting was a perfect example. Like, that is a moment in time with two very specific actors, you know, and the chemistry between them. It's like, I just don't get it. The worst movie sequels assume that the characters from the original forgot everything that they learned in the original movie. Well, or that the, the filmmakers just forgot that 
it wasn't that, that it was what made the first one possibly good wasn't something that could be recreated. Yeah, There's yeah. others that were bad that I thought were perfectly good ideas. I mean, Batman and Robin was not a bad idea. The, the idea of introducing Robin, who was a, you know, huge part of the TV series, like that wasn't a bad concept. Right, right. But the execution was awful. <laughs> Casting, perhaps? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't make movies for a living. I just do my little part of it. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, then movies like, you know, Caddyshack 2, The Fly, The Next Karate Kid. It just... It, well, it, the I, ca both Caddyshack and The Fly are examples of what I'm saying. Yes. They were a moment in time with very specific thing that, could, that was going to be impossible to recreate. Exactly, exactly. And then you go into movies where, where they just keep going and the, the, the concept gets even worse. So let's take Jaws, for example. The first movie was, was fantastic. You didn't see the shark all that much. The, the, the fear was in, in the fact that you didn't see the shark. The second one got ridiculous. You know, didn't even have uh, Richard Dreyfuss in it. He was off on some fishing expedition because he, legally he didn't have to be in that one. And he said no. Uh, but Roy Scheider legally because had to be in that one. Because it was a bad idea. Yeah, poor Roy Scheider had to be in that one because of his contract. But Jaws: The Revenge was even worse. It, the shark follows the family to the Bahamas and into a mall. I mean, what the? How does that even get greenlit? I mean, the the, the, well, sh I, the shark again. These are examples of of what made anyone think this was a good idea. Like maybe they had planned it all along, and maybe they were surprised by the success of the first one. But again, that was a, a sort of moment in time. I, I don't. I think people, especially you know, even now, but 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 you know, concepts and coming up with original concepts is always you know, really tough. So if it's something that had some success, I guess you just want to see if you can, you know, jump onto that success one or two or three more times. <laughs> however far the money goes, however many times they, they can actually make There's money. There's always on. money in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, like, a, that, like Gilbert said on, on his show, only the last movie loses any money. So they, they, <laughs> they can keep going. As long as they're making it, let's just keep, Making sequels. In in your movie watching experience, do you think it's harder to make a sequel to a a, a horror movie or a dramatic movie than it is to make one for a, a comedy? Because comedy ones fail just as much. You look at like movies like The Hangover. The first one was great, and then each one just keeps getting progressively worse. Little Fockers the same way. Little well, I mean, comedies are hard. No matter what. And I think that, yeah, it's easy to see that uh, comedy could have a fun idea, but it's it's that it's sort of the germ of it is just an idea. And, you, you know, once you've tackled the idea, it becomes really tricky to, you know, keep reworking that same idea. You've kind of already sort of beaten that horse. Yeah. Uh, remember that you're not your that opinion about Hangover isn't necessarily everyone's opinion. I don't think everyone disliked all of the Hangovers. Oh no, and, and I, I didn't think that two was terrible, but it was the the third one was definitely not 
as good as the first. The first one was, it was and I think it was kind of the way it was presented. It, you know, the entire thing went backwards, and it just it was a great concept, and it was it was genuinely funny. And then when the second one came out, to me, it was that that thing. It how how are these same guys getting into the the same type of situation? And it it, it loses something for me if if it's the same kind of a, a recycled premise recycled joke right i mean and and the fuckers thing wasn't good from the beginning <laughs> yeah Sorry, i agree with that that's not my style you know i mean the hangover thing yes it was probably a single idea that you know couldn't it's like a short story that they tried to turn into a novel maybe you know you just yeah. you, you've you've taken it as far as you can you can take it which may be true for things like the godfather you, you know You took it so far that you couldn't go any further, you know, whether it's comedy or drama or horror. Although a couple of things I was thinking about for for anything horror like is like the fly. I mean, they become, you know, a kind of a classic sort of cult classic that that hits people in this very special way. And and recreating that may be harder than anything, Ah. you know. How did anyone think that the fly could be recreated? You yeah. know, that's you know I didn't think about that. That's a that's a great perspective. I hadn't I didn't think about it. Wasn't a, like that. a traditionally great movie? It was a cult classic, right? So you know how do you how do you imagine yourself able to go on from there? It's like when I was thinking about remakes, I thought about Godzilla. And it's like cult classic yeah. that they've made ridiculous remake <laughs> after ridiculous remake of. Yes, and they can they continue to do it and exactly. There's another one in the works, by I, the way. Oh man, I, I saw. Is that the one that that that's uh, supposed to be released pretty soon? Is that the one you're talking uh, about? And, yes, oh. and then they 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 did the Mummy, the original Mummy. Then you have uh, Brandon Fraser. Yep. Did mummies and then Tom Cruise. And then didn't the rock just do one? No, Tom Cruise's was, I think, the most recent one. Oh, gosh. I was just looking at, at Rotten Tomatoes, you know, and it's like 16% for Tom Cruise's <laughs> The Mummy. <laughs> you know, this oh, is. Gosh. And Matthew Broderick's Godzilla, 16%. Man, even the soundtrack so, so on that was bad. They they are cult classics. You can't recapture that. That's true. Now, and but now some movies that are terrible become cult classics just for that reason. And I'm, well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like, how do you recapture something like The Fly? It, is, it wasn't a great movie. It was right. a cult classic, you know. So it's it's got this je ne sais quoi, you know. It's got this thing that you cannot explain and therefore how are you going to capture it again what now what did you think uh about the evil dead franchise there is is that in that cult classic type of of situation where evil dead evil dead 2 army of darkness and then i think i don't know i don't know that one passed me by (laughs) bruce campbell was was i mean that just kind of made him at that point and i I've, it's been forever since i don't even remember if i've seen the very first evil dead i remember seeing evil dead 2 and army of darkness 
but zombie movies aren't really my thing either. So that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard when the idea itself just doesn't even. I mean, I didn't go see Jaws because I'm a lover of sharks, and I thought that's all we need is for people to be terrified of sharks. You know, <laughs> already they have such a bad name. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, I, I had sort of a, a philosophical problem with you know making it silly scary to yeah. go in the water you know well that makes sense i mean you've been on this ship before and we just and uh, i would encourage everybody to go back and listen to the kira ross episode because we do talk about your father and some of the uh, the, the awesome photography underwater photography that he's done so that makes total sense yeah yeah, sharks are my friend. <laughs> and you don't want to blow them up with, with uh, <laughs> right. a rifle to a oxygen well, and tank. I don't want everyone to be afraid of them because I actually think there's a lot more scary things in the world than sharks. I, I, they yeah. behave very predictively, unlike humans. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very true. All right, well, let's, let's go into some remakes because you sent me an, okay. a, a great list because I haven't seen all of these and you can tell me a little bit about these. The one that okay. the one that I started off looking up was um, swept away because right. I didn't even realize that that was a sequel or a, a remake. I mean, the original one was from what is it seventy four, and it was yes. called. Uh, let's see, the original Italian title translated to English is "Swept Away by an Unusual Destiny in the Blue Sea of August." Yes, and I didn't. You know, I tried to. I actually avoided a lot of the ones that were foreign films to begin with. But this particular one was considered somewhat of a foreign classic back in the day. Like even here in America, it was the posters of of this couple on the beach. You know, making out. It was very risque. It was. You know, there was this whole sort of reaction to it in a in a true like this is what a romantic movie should be and then uh madonna <laughs> remade it and i love madonna but you know as an actress you know and, and uh <laughs> there's that and then there's you know trying to take on again this sort of classic um film which had hit in a moment which had to do with sort of the risqueness of the movie and the sort of the foreign interest you know how how romantic it seemed because it was italian and all right. these things that made it special weren't special the advantages of chemicals are all around us oh, do we have to listen to that again four thousand uh, hold on, what happened? We were applying for $20, and now it's, it's $4,000. That's the problem, Michael. Don't you think I'm good for it? Tony, can't you control your wife? Can't you control yours? It's a change the atmosphere just a little. You're supposed to be Mr. Moneybags, Michael. I am supposed to be on uh, vacation. Stop being such a pussy, Michael. <sighs> come on, come on. If you haven't got money, I'll take jewelry and shoes. That's enough, I fold. I have no interest in playing Get Fucked Quick with uh, Mel DeMarcos here. Guido. Yes, mother. When you put that reptile down, can you empty the ashtrays? Thank you. Uh, and Rotten Tomatoes has that at five percent. Oh God! Yeah, look, actually, I just I just pulled that up. Yes, five percent. Oh <laughs> gosh. 
<laughs> Man, that, yeah, and that was so. That was in two thousand and two that the Madonna version came out, directed yes. by I guess her husband at the time, Guy Ritchie. Her and husband made, at the time, and he's made some amazing movies. So he has, but this was clearly a venue for uh, his wife, and uh, it just like it's another one of those. It was a bad idea to begin with. Okay, so let's. Let's move on to one of the best here. And it's another one that I didn't realize there were so many remakes of this at the yeah. time. A Star is Born. Yes. And so A Star is Born was originally made in 1937, I believe, oh, was wow. the first one. It was, a, it was an acting one. It was a young girl from the Midwest goes to Hollywood to become a star and meets a aging actor one day and they begin a a romance where slowly you know her uh career takes off and his is not doing well and the the original star is born uh story was there and if you can after the first five minutes you can get past the fact that this is a movie from 1937, which is weird to watch at first. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a better movie than at least the next two remakes, if not all of them. Oh, wow. Really? And, and one of them, I don't know which one it was, starred Barbara Streisand. Right. So the 57 version is your Judy Garland version. Oh, okay. So it is uh, three hours long. Whoa. It is a true musical, meaning that she breaks out in song mid-scene. Oh, okay. Oh, and, wow. and if you're not a big-time Judy Garland fan, it can become a little bit repetitive because it really is just a venue for her uh, performances. My, my, my sweetie and I watched it and he, he couldn't get through it. I <laughs> enjoyed her enough. I could do it, but I could have done it, but he, he stopped it. <laughs> and then Barbara Streisand and um, what's his name? Uh, uh, looks like Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson, who at the time, Chris Christopherson was a hot shot rock and roll guy. Yeah. And Barbara Streisand had already had some uh, very big movies. And today it is unwatchable. Really? It is so bad. <laughs> but at, at the time, it was a very big movie, you know? Um, and then, of course, this last year, uh, Bradley Cooper directed and starred in the fourth version with Lady Gaga. Which, and, and when it was when I first started seeing the trailers, I didn't even realize that was her. Yeah, it looked nothing like her. Right. Well, she starts. Uh, you know, she does. She goes through a wonderful arc as a sort of from a from a sort of girl next door uh, to. A pop star, which is very much in line with the story of Star is Born. In every version, the the girl, the girl starts as sort of a nobody from nowhere and becomes a star. So, so that's uh, true to the story, if you will. Okay. Then, all right, so now let's ping pong back to another bad one. Death Wish. Yeah. Okay. The original well, Death I- Wish. <laughs> Now, uh, first of all, this was a bad idea. The original was not a great movie. Right. It was was sort of a cult classic. Oh, Christ. What a guest to bring to a gun club. (laughs) 
You're probably one of them knee-jerk liberals thinks us gun boys will shoot our guns because it's a, an extension of our penises. I never thought about it that way. It could be true. Or maybe it is. But this is gun country. Can he own a handgun in New York City? Out here, I hardly know a man that doesn't own one. And I'll tell you something. Unlike your city, we can walk our streets and through our parks at night and feel safe. Muggers operating out here, they're just playing get their asses blown up. Yeah, slip these on. All right, it's a percussion pistol, 1842. You ever handle one of those before? You know how to fire it? Watch the cake. Why are you gonna think the jar's gonna hit the ceiling? Try this hog leg coat? No. Well, you a peculiar conscientious objector. And it, you know, it was yeah. Charles Bronson. He was a badass. He killed people. You and it's, know? it's definitely <laughs> like a, a, of that time, of the early 70s. Exactly. It was a thing. But trying to recreate that, you know, was impossible with Bruce Willis as a sort of, you know, older guy. <laughs> anyway, bad idea. <laughs> 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the original also spawned a terrible uh, sequel in Death Wish 2. Yes. So this is so, a double... You're getting... Double getting a good, yeah, Exactly. But we're getting a lot of value in this one because we have a bad, re, bad movie to start with, bad right. sequel, bad remake. They thought they'd hit on one of them, yeah. I bet. <laughs> yeah, they hit... I mean, they made a few of them. The only thing that I remember really about this entire franchise is that Jimmy Page did the soundtrack for Death Wish 2. Well, look, Charles Bronson was a big star. So I think that there was, you know, name recognition. There was a bankable star at that time. Um, and I think they probably sold some tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sh- I'm Sure, it went well because that was the popular style back in the day. You know, look at all the Clint Eastwood movies uh, back then. Death Wish, they made sequels of it, so it obviously had to make some money. Otherwise, it wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> but I, it's like you, like exactly like you said, I don't think that style of music, of a uh, movie is in fashion any, any, and at this time. And I don't think it was a really good idea to, to go ahead and, and try to revisit it. Even with Bruce Willis. Yeah, and you gotta, you gotta, the idea is at the heart of uh, this decision, you know, it's like, is this a good idea? And Hollywood it's not, doesn't seem to be very strong at making those decisions. They're, let's say they're hit and miss. Right. Yeah, that's, I, I will definitely agree with you on that one. And I didn't realize that, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo was a remake. I only I saw the yes, most recent well, one. It's a it's there's a the Danish uh, original movie which came from a novel is excellent. Okay, okay, I've, that's what it is. I've I haven't seen that one. I've seen the English uh, the the English version. And then there's the English one, which has sequels. Okay, yeah, because it's that it's the whole series of books. The girl who kicked the hornet's nest. Exactly. And then, so uh, I thought I thought all of the English ones were great, and the original Danish one is really good too. 
um, the actress. It's all down to the actress in these ones because they have to create this sort of character that the whole thing is based on. And I just thought all of the in all of them they cast it extremely well, and uh, I found them thoroughly entertaining. Another- but having a good book to begin with, you know, and we see that in a couple of other places, like The Lord of the Rings, you know, you got a exactly. good set of novels at the basis and you have uh, something to hang your hat on. Exactly. And it's fu- kind of funny that they did the first three of the, 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 the three books of The Lord of the Rings and they went back and did The Hobbit, which came yeah. before, but yeah. they did that. They did the one book as three movies. Yes. So, if they, I'm sure if they had the chance to, if Peter Jackson had a chance to redo it, I, I, I wonder if he would do each each novel as three movies. Well, I don't know. I think that he didn't know. Obviously, he didn't know how well it would be received. Right. You know, it's, you're t- you're undertaking a pretty massive movie to start with to do a Lord of the Rings, and he probably just said, you know. This is the one I want to tackle. It it jumps into a part of the story, which is so big and such a world. You know, The Hobbit starts a little more gradually. You yeah. know, they, yeah. they leave the Shire and they go, you know, so, so it's a little more of uh, bring you along into the story, whereas The Lord of the Rings starts you off pretty hot and heavy. So he may have just decided that he didn't know if he'd ever get to The Hobbit. That That's a good point. I could just try to have him on the show and, and we can ask him. You can be, yeah. my, you can be my co-host. Good. good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can ask him about the Muppet things he did before he hit it big. And as far okay, so for for another terrible remake, what did you think about the 1998 version of Psycho? Um, so again, bad idea. You've got an original classic. Completely, everybody knows this is a classic movie. Yes, and you're there's no way you're going to remake it in. <laughs> Any kind of, uh, you know, I, I, who thought that was a good idea? Who? Who? I, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know what they were thinking about that. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at, at a, a list here. They have the 10 worst movie remakes of all time. And this is just from CheatSheet.com. So they all seem to have taken place in around the same time period. So you've got 19, 1998 gave you Psycho and Godzilla. Uh, yeah. 99 was The Haunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2001 was the remake of The Planet of the Apes. 2006, The Wicker Man. 2007, The Invasion. Ooh. Then uh, the last... Wicker Man, perfect example. Classic, weird, cult film. Why the hell would you try to remake it? Yep, yep. Oh, oh and I skipped over 2002. They had Swept Away... And then there's Clash of the Titans and Pulse. Now, I'm not familiar with Pulse. Yeah. And, and Stepford Wise, too. Yeah. Oh, Stepford Wise. Another example. Yeah, totally. Classic, weirdo cult movie you were never going to recreate. So a lot of these movies have big names in them. Are, are Do they realize at the time how bad of an idea this is? Or is it, just, is it maybe a cash grab? I mean, I just, I wonder what makes... Guys like Matthew Broderick well, do Godzilla and 
Well, Tom Cruise doing the mummy. I yeah. mean, I think they get convinced that, that that through special effects and action and some of the things that the original might not have had, they will overcome, you know, the culty aspect of what the old one had. It will become a great, I mean, I'm sure Tom Cruise must have believed that was going to be a great action film, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll give, I'm going to give you one that you probably have didn't see the original of, okay. but it's one of my favorite all time classic movies, 1974 taking of Pelham one, two, three. Where were you this afternoon, Mr. Longman? Uh, why? You tell me where I tell you why. Right here. Can anyone verify that fact? Uh, you said you'd tell me why. You were here all afternoon. You were sleeping in the afternoon. All afternoon? Well, till about an hour ago. But you heard about the hijacking, huh? What hijacking? From subway train. Subway? <laughs> you got to be kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? I mean, would I be here if I was kidding, Mr. Subway? We want to do a thing like that. Hey, Zeke, you got a match? No. You got a warrant? No. The Supreme Court says you have to have a warrant unless I'm under arrest. I, I didn't see the original, but I, I've heard of it, and I, I've heard that it was fantastic. Fantastic, starring Robert Shaw, Walter Matthau, Martin Balsam. It was from a novel. Now, in... In 2009, Denzel Washington yes, remakes it. I remember should've that been, one. It should have been good, he thought. He thought, I'm sure you've got action. It's kind of a heist film. You know, this will be great. <laughs> and it just falls flat compared to the original. Now, I don't know really how, um, say, Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't look that up uh, to see. Let me see how that, that did. But it is... See the ori- original, you won't be disappointed. Okay, and then that's from seven was it seventy three? You said that was uh, so it's seventy four hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, Denzel's version fifty percent. Oh jeez, oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean, I thought of this since we spoke the last time because I was like. This was one of those that I so wanted it to be a great remake. Yeah. You know, I so want it to be. And so I have it kind of as my worst, not because it's so bad, but because it was so good. (laughs) I wanted it to be a great. I thought, yeah, it'll have action. And, you know, it's got it's I can see why Denzel would go for it because it has a lot of characteristics that should make it great modern movie and yet uh it it just couldn't be done now i mean it wasn't <laughs> do you have any remakes that you think are better than the originals um well i thought the remake of les miserables was really strong it, i'm not necessarily a musical person but i thought that it uh the performances were really good, and I just couldn't find a lot of fault with that um, movie. I thought um, Ocean's Eleven, which was 
a remake yeah. was really strong. But that one I like. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is probably at the top of my list. I thought the Star is Born uh, that Bradley Cooper did was really strong, just because of the challenge again when you have these sort of classic films it's so hard to you know again that green lighting something that was almost destined to fail (laughs) he's gonna be a rock star and he's not a musician you know yeah He he may like to play guitar on the weekends you know but um that uh, that took guts from from Warner Brothers standpoint and from Bradley's standpoint to uh, to even tackle that because it could have easily fallen on its face. Uh, casting Gaga, who was an unexper- inexperienced actress, you know, a lot of uh, things could have gone very wrong. There's one remake that I I've. Avoided watching just because I like the original a lot, and I don't know if you've seen it or not. But I hear I've read some great stuff about it. Uh, the Coen Brothers doing True Grit. Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, worth seeing. Uh, you know, the Coen Brothers are so strong. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I don't know if I would say that it's better than the original. It's Kind of like saying something is better than the book, you know. Right. <laughs> is it L.A. Confidential better than the book? You know, no, right. the book is amazing. <laughs> but I have to say that I carefully watched the movie before I read the book so that I could really enjoy the movie and then really enjoy the book. So I would say that it's probably True Grit would uh, – you would be entertained by it. You might not like it better, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't put it on your worst. I would. It's not going to be a taking a Pelham one two three kind of situation, right? All right. The last question I've got before we start <laughs> wrapping this up, I guess. Let's. One of the big trends in the past decade, or, or maybe even more now, is making an entire series of prequels. You look at yeah. Uh, so. Godfather came out. Godfather 2 was kind of a prequel and sequel in the same movie. Mm-hmm. But then you look at a series like Star Wars, where the first three came out, then the sequels were actually prequels. So does that make the fir- the three that came out actual sequels? Or since they came out first, are the prequels well, actually and, the and sequels? And Clint Eastwood kind of do that too, where where sometimes you don't, you don't, it isn't clear, sort of, it almost seems like the movies are out of order. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's kind of, even within movies, it's sometimes fun to have the chronology not be straight from the beginning to the end, you know, it has to be done well, but in a sense, it's just an example of that across multiple movies where you say, well, telling this story is best done by you seeing some of this part and then you going back and explaining some of that part and so on. You know, I'd like to think that this was thought out by the writing (laughs) experience. And, you know, they said, well, if I was telling this story, this would be the best way to tell it. I don't obviously know that that's true. Right. (laughs) But that, um, 
sometimes you are telling, you are going along telling a story and then you like have to stop because there's some backstory that will help explain why. Yeah. And, you know, and early so, Tarantino was, was, was fantastic at, at doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, uh, I don't think there should be any rules. I mean, having a punk rock background, I feel very strongly that rules are, you know, just not necessary, you know, let, right, yeah. uh, especially for art, if you will, let the um, artist find his or her way to tell the story, to paint the picture, to make the music, you know, whatever they're doing. And and we, as the consumer of that art, can like or dislike it. You know, there's nothing that says we have to enjoy it, but we can't post rules on what the artist does. I can right. be, I can be confused. <laughs> I can be easily confused, you uh, know, yeah. and sort of say, well, why did they tell the story this way? And there have been movies when I thought, well, this just makes it confusing, <laughs> you know, and, and it would have been easier if it had been just in chronological order. But, um, yeah. but I'm pretty committed to just taking in somebody's vision and judging it after the fact. <laughs> yeah, just kind of viewing it with an open mind at first. Well, you're trying to, because I hope that, you know, I hope that we all do that to each other. It's kind of like we as humans, you know, we can judge each other by our covers, but hopefully we try to get to know each other a little bit before we, you know, bring the hammer down. (laughs) Hopefully, yeah. Well, that's what we all should strive for just just get to (laughs) get to know something before you decide whether you really like it or not. Right. I tell yeah. my kids that all the time, especially about mayonnaise. My kids hate my two of my kids hate mayonnaise. Well, what are you gonna do? I gotta, you you can't just throw it away because it's a part of some of the things that you really like to eat. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh, so are you working on any new projects that you can tell us about? Anything coming down the pike that that's interesting? Well, the. Um the movie that's coming out in October that I worked on it was called Joker. Oh, man. I can't wait to see that. I'm very excited. It just uh, debuted in Venice, and there's now some reviews out. And and for the most part, very positive reviews. They got an eight-minute standing ovation when wow. the screening was done. So that's exciting and fun to, to see them get some... Yeah, that's the director you were just cracking on who did Hangover. <laughs> was it? Oh, my gosh. Man. <laughs> my buddy, Todd Phillips. Well, I, I love the original. This The second one, I mean, I don't I don't hate it, but the third one I was, I, was, I, I kind of checked out on. Don't backpedal. Look, I was kind of checked out. Joker is one. really cool. And, I can't and wait. I, I really love it. And uh, so that was my last... Uh, big tough project i have a couple of things coming up which are smaller just helping out a friend kind of things which take me to november and then i'm doing an animated film for a few months uh into next year so all sorts of stuff so Um, and 
And you're doing the ADR for all of that? So uh, the helping out will just be editing. Okay. Uh, I will be doing some ADR for the animated thing and dialogue and ADR. With animated, it's pretty much all ADR. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> there's no, obviously, there, there's nothing recorded on a set. They right. record ADR and the animators animate to the ADR. So uh, that'll be fun. It's been a, a while since I did an animated. And um, and then 2020 will be here and we'll deal with that. That's awesome. Yeah, and we, we need to have you on because maybe we can talk about uh, with something we didn't really get, we just kind of touched on, but prequels. We, should have you, we can come back on and talk about the best and worst prequels. Okay, we'll do so. By then, we'll have all sorts more to talk about. Exactly. We can talk about how, how awesome the Joker is, because I saw the trailer months ago, and it looked incredible, and I'm so excited to watch it. Well, um, I'm really excited to see how people uh, react, and um, yeah, we'll have more to talk about, no doubt. Awesome. Kira, thank you so much for coming on again. I really do appreciate it. It was a blast. I love talking to you, and anytime you want to come back on about talk about anything, you just let me know, and we'll do another one of these. We'll stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie. We'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.